Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christine Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. Dinner in the Dark is right around the corner, and Leslie and I got to see a little sneak peek of a video, Timothy. Can you guess you what video was it was? We did. I haven't even seen it yet. What's up with that? It's not done yet, but we got a sneak peek at the raw cut, and it's great. It's wonderful. So if anybody is still considering joining Dinner in the Dark, please do. It's a great little story about Timothy, and he kind of shares his experience and the impact that Glacier has had on his life. Um, And Timothy, you just do such an amazing job of sharing your story and your experiences. It was absolutely perfect. Definitely brought some tears to our eyes. And I've heard your story several times. um, So well done. Also, I have to say, I absolutely love loved watching you and Glacier travel in the snow. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was terrible. It was terrible. Hey, Timothy, but, you said yeah. terrible in that video though and you didn't say terrible. Well, I know it's being filmed, so there's different. So. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know why we were doing the interview. My stomach was growling oh, so gosh. bad. We had to do four or five takes. It was embarrassing. You're it giving us all the behind the scenes right now. Oh, well, I will tell you. <laughs> as soon as we watched it and you said Terrible, not terrible. I was texting Christina. I was like, did you hear that? Yeah. He can say terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to say it. We were cracking yes. up. Well, and, you know, you can still get the kits. Um, if you live near the Leader Dog Campus in Rochester Hills, Michigan, you can come and pick up your kit. If not, we will mail it to you um, in hopes that it will get there on time before dinner in the dark. But I just kind of want to share a little bit about what's in these kits. Um, We've been packing them. So it's really cool to actually finally see them all coming together. But um, there's two blindfolds because you'll be doing dinner in the dark. So you need those blindfolds. Two bibs. You get some stemless wine glasses, which are super cute. You get an apron, which I adore aprons, so. (laughs) And then you actually get um, a charcuterie board. So it's a wood board that um, you can make your charcuterie recipe on, and you get all these recipes. um, And you'll get access to this whole pre-event website, um, which has all these videos with recipes and a professional chef. It's great. Um, So definitely want to take advantage of that because you can attend from anywhere. And I think last year we had people from like 22 different um, states attending from what I heard. So very cool because that's like all over the U.S. So yeah. So we look forward to everyone joining us. And again, Timothy, nice job on the video. Um, It was really, really well done and very heartfelt. So I can't wait for you to actually get to see it once they finish the the final touches, I guess. Uh, I'll be looking forward to that email. (laughs) Well, good. Well, today on our episode, we have two incredibly special guests. Our guests are siblings and both clients of Leader Dogs for the Blind. They both have different journeys and experiences with Leader Dog, and we're honestly so happy to have them joining us today to share their stories. Yes, Zachary and Kayla Penzone are from Carbondale, Pennsylvania, and both found Leader Dog at separate times in their lives. Zach and Kayla are both really busy with school and work, so we're so happy that they've been able to fit us into their schedules and share about their journeys with vision loss and the Leader Dog programs. Hi, Zach and Kayla, and thank you guys for showing up today and being on the show. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about yourself? And let's start with Kayla. 
Yeah, so I am a recent graduate of King's College, uh, which is in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, so not too far from our hometown. I currently work for AAA, the Auto Club Group, who is partnered with Leader Dogs. That was um, a kind of cool uh, journey for me. I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa when I was 14. I walked into a parking meter in broad daylight and uh, because I knew something was wrong at that point. My mom yelled at me to get off my phone at first, but, you know, um, that all happened. Kind of from there, I heard about Leader Dog and some different resources that were out there. And I was all for summer camp. So I came out to summer camp in 2018. Um, I was a counselor, or I came out in 2017. I was a counselor in 2018. I left, came back for a week later, and got Leader Dog Kane, who is a yellow lab, who just turned five. And then from there, I did an internship at Leader Dog and found my home right now at work with AAA, the Off Club Group. I love your story, Kayla, and I got to be at camp with you, of course, those couple years, and we had so much fun. Um, Before we hear a little bit from Zach, can you just tell us a little bit more about camp? That's one program we haven't talked a whole lot about. If you can just give us a little synopsis. Yeah, so camp was a week long of, uh, I think there was like 15 or 20 different kids um, from different areas um, across the U.S. We all came together for a week and did different events like uh, beef kickball, beef baseball. Um, everyone's favorite was dog day. Obviously, you got to work with a dog, a guide dog and a GDMI for the day, um, which was really cool because when I came back as a counselor, um, which is kind of who helps, counselor kind of helps with summer camp and um, wrangling different groups and, and whatnot. So there's a lot of moving pieces that go on. Um, I got to work with Kane, which was really, really cool. Um, but I think counselor year you guys did jiu-jitsu or like self-defense and like some different things so it's, it's a lot of cool different days to to learn different techniques and throughout doing all the different activities you're learning orientation and mobility skills with the cane and navigation skills and um you you have a gps i can't think of a trucker breeze and um you get to work with one of those if you haven't before so it's just a ton of fun and a lot of learning and uh, just so much fun. I can't even describe it any other way. Wow. Camp sounds like a blast. So like, I want to go. <laughs> um, but that's so cool that you got to work with your future guide dog and didn't even know it. I love that. Um, so yeah. let's move into Zach. Can you tell us about your story? Yes. Yeah, so, so hi, everyone. I'm super excited to be here today. I've been looking forward to it. Um, so my name is Zach. I'm like you said, I went to, uh, from Carbondale, but I recently just graduated from my undergrad at Marywood, which is in Scranton, which is very close to our hometown, even closer to Kings where Kayla was at. And I'm currently living, I just recently moved to Harrisburg, PA, and I'm here from law school at Widener Commonwealth Law School. Um, my kind of story with Leader Dog is I was very reluctant. So when Kayla, when they found out everything, when Kayla was talking about the parking meter, you know, the doctor said it was genetic and, you know, all, me and my twin sister needed to get tested. And well, my, our tw- my twin does not have uh, RP, but I do. And I was 16, almost 17, like had my permit, I was learning. And so I was very like frustrated with everything. And I did not want any help because I was like, you know, I am a very avid hiker, kayaker, everything. I, li- I live in the outdoors and I was like, how can I be legally blind? And like, how can I have all this when I'm, you know, almost 17, learning how to drive. So I was very reluctant to do anything and get any kind of help at first. But then when Kayla came home with Kane, I really saw like 
you know, we just did a walk around the neighborhood because just to kind of show us what Kane does. And I was like, wow, I'm actually missing a lot in the world. And then I looked out to go to Leader Dog and I went um, that following November to Kayla went. And so I'm just so curious about this because I find this fascinating. So Kayla, you know, diagnosed with RP. Were you guys both diagnosed then at the same time, kind of like Kayla first and then Zach kind of right after? Yeah, yeah so within a couple done. weeks. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So then, you know, Kayla kind of, I guess it sounds like more embraced it and was ready to kind of take on some new experiences and, and dive into that world a little bit more than you were, Zach. Um, so Kayla returns with Kane, her guide dog, and she's at this point been to leader dog. This is her third time because she's now been there for camp twice and guide dog once. And up until that time, zero interest in guide dogs, anything like that. But Kayla comes home with Kane and that just changed everything for you, Zach? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's the simple version. I was just very stubborn, and I did cane training and stuff at school. Like we had uh, people from our local blind association come and teach us like basic braille and cane skills, and I did know how to do them. But I was just so set in my ways. Like I, I'm a Boy Scout, and I still even now go hiking and ca- hiking, camping, kayaking. And I was like, you know, I've, I've made it this long in my life. You know, I don't need help. And then because um, I thought I was seeing enough and yeah, we literally, it was just like a short walk around. There's like a trail by our house. So we went down, which is like a couple blocks. So we didn't walk far whatsoever. And, you know, Kane stopped at something and I was like, what is he doing? And Kayla was like, Oh, you know, there's a bump here. Now if I just kept walking, cause I was trying to watch them, I definitely would have tripped over it. And I was like, wow. And I said, I'm actually missing more in this world than I thought. And just seeing how, they worked and at this point I've been working with the cane for over a year, maybe close to two. And I just didn't like the cane because one, it got a lot of, I don't know. Like I, I do like it now, but I was, I feel like I get a lot more information from wings than I ever do with, uh, with the cane. Well, with both of you being diagnosed with RP, I've got another brother in my family who's got RP. Did it bring you guys closer together knowing that you guys are going to do the same journey? In your life? Um, I'll answer first. I, I, I'd say so in certain ways. Like, I think at first it was frustrating for me because I was embracing it and I was like, why can't you get this through your head? Like, I went to so many summer camps at Leader Dog and other associations and I was just doing so much to learn because I always knew something wasn't there and something wasn't right, but we never knew until I was 14. Um, but after Zach started to become more accepting and stuff like that, we were able to share our experiences together and now we do what's called tandems where you take both dogs and you walk together. We hike together. Um, well, wings, kayaks, Kane does not, Kane swims. So <laughs> the, the two of them are just like best friends, which kind of makes us even more closer because they always want to be doing stuff together, even if they're working. And just to echo off, Kayla, I, 100% at the beginning, I was, like Kayla was doing all this stuff and I was thrilled. And I was so happy to see her um, be happy, but I was just content and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm living my life. I'm high. I'm kayaking. I'm doing whatever I wanted to do. I don't need to have all this stuff. But then once I started accepting and um, doing this, it really does bring it together. Cause like just a note, and I, maybe you experienced this with your brother, but just to have somebody like, Hey, I went to the doctor and you know, they said this, or I have like people our age, you know, Kayla and I are in our early twenties and people don't go to the doctor as frequently as we do. So it's when we get frustrated too, with, you know, the cons of being visually impaired, it's nice you have somebody else to vent to that understands it. 
I think that is so important, Zach. I talk about that a lot on here of just having a support network of somebody you can call during those situations because there's nobody else that can relate to it except for somebody who's also going through it. So I'm so happy that you guys have each other um, to kind of support each other through all of this and and share resources and experiences and stuff like that. I'm curious... um, so Kayla, you said you ran into a parking meter and I've heard that story a couple times. And I do think it's so funny because as a parent, I would, my first thought would have been like, look up, what are you doing? <laughs> Get off your phone. Yep. Stop looking over there, like focus. Um, but Zach, did you have any of those moments at all? Or uh, I guess recognize that something wasn't right with your vision prior to Kayla and you being diagnosed? For me, no. So um, what we learned on pretty quickly is because in my years in scouts, I adapted and scanned constantly, and Kayla never did. So that's why she, you know, growing up, we used to, you know, pick on Kayla quite a bit. My, my sister and I, like, um, <laughs> you know, like she was the she was the clumsy sibling. Like Jenna and I would be like, oh yeah, Kayla, she's clumsy. That's who she is. You know, um, it, it sounds awful now that we know this, but it's the truth. Yeah. And I just scanned a lot, but I, once they started saying stuff like when I went to the doctor, like you have this or that, or um, for me, like what I noticed right after was like, I have no night vision. Like he's like, can you see stuff at night? I was like, no, it's dark out. You know? And I had no idea because you can't see what somebody else sees like an average human or person. And so when the doctor's like, yeah, do you have any trouble seeing at night? And I was like, sometimes, but I got this big flashlight for when I'm camping and it's not a big deal. He's like, can you see anything at night? And I said, no, why? He's like, well, that's not normal. And I was like, Oh, um, so no, not until Kayla really had this, it was, yeah, nothing crazy like that, like Kayla's experience. I will say as a child, my mother took his tricycle away many times because he would run into the car because he didn't have the depth perception. <laughs> I love that Kayla came oh, back. Yeah. She's like, wait a minute, there are some yes. things. <laughs> wait a minute, you left the story out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to the defense though, I didn't even, I don't have 20-20 without glasses. So once I got glasses, that fix that and and we thought we were good like I was like three yes I did forget about that (laughs) and you know so you guys have had this happening you know since you were young and we've talked to some clients who you know they have complete vision and then they lose their vision so it's interesting to hear from both of you that you didn't know what you should normally be seeing what a normal like person with normal vision would be 2020 vision would be seen so I think that's so interesting because you're talking about how you would scan and you just thought oh nobody else can see at night um and so for both of you I mean I guess we'll start with Kayla I mean when you um came back with your guide dog did you feel prepared um and like ready to kind of navigate this new world with your guide dog um, so kind of, so when I, so I got came a little bit differently since I was a minor when I applied for a guide dog, I was 18 once I got him. So we had a, someone come out to our house. I think it was John. I don't remember fully who had to evaluate our home and our backyard and evaluate me to make sure that I was capable of taking care of guide dogs. Um, and by minor, I, I was 17. So there's a little bit of a difference there, but that kind of helped me prepare for Kane. And then at that point I had already made some friends that had guide dogs. So I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I doing? What do, what do I need? Like, it's like almost like you're bringing home a child. Like you have to get a crate, you have to get food, you have to get all of these things to prepare for this next part of your life. 
But I say, like, journeying through it, yes, I was mentally prepared to have a dog and start gaining more independence because without my vision, I was so dependent on my mother or my siblings or someone because I knew I couldn't see something, especially after diagnosis. And there wasn't much cane training at that point. So it gave me so much independence, and I knew that at literally within five minutes of working with him. Like, I was like, this is going to be a whole new life that I don't even know what we're going to experience yet. And we've experienced so much in a matter of four and a half years that we've been together. So yes and no, if that kind of answers the question. I cannot believe it's been four and a half years when you just said that. That is crazy to me. Four and a half years, Kayla? Wow. Time sure is uh, going fast. That's putting a lot of things in perspective for me here. But a funny (laughs) other thing that I think is really interesting about your guys' story, which I mean, there's just so many things, but you guys actually worked with the same guide dog mobility instructor while you were here on campus. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. We were both with team one. It just worked out that uh, we went six months apart in the, like the cycle of everything that, and we both had the same trainer. Now Kayla, I think, you know, and I, you would have to ask someone at leader dog for the inside scoop, but this is just like the vague stories I remember hearing. We both had Alyssa who is amazing and part of team one. But for me, it was a little bit different because I'm pretty sure Tina trained wins for a few months, but Alyssa like arm wrestled Tina so I could be her <laughs> client because so she, she wanted the, she wanted the sibling package. But then since they wanted to make sure wins was okay with other dogs living with another dog, then the other trainer Heidi was raising, uh, I think Barden or something at that point. So she took wins home for like two weeks and everything like that. So all of them had like a hand in team one for me, but I think Kayla. I think Alyssa just raised, raised and trained Kane. So what was it like introducing Kane and Wings for the first time? I was super excited for it because, like, you know, it, I wanted Wings to be, like, the fastest, of, you know, everything. Because to me, Wings is, you know, far superior to Kane. Like, it's, he's my favorite. <laughs> and, like, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we were very cautious because Kane at this point has been living at the house and living in the backyard for, you know, almost six months before Wings is even an idea. And so when we got home, we have a little driveway before the thing. We had took the two dogs out and did, like, almost like circles, you know, and slowly got closer and closer. And that's what Alyssa advised us to do. Um, you know, had put up and gave them, like, a long leash and got them used to the scent of each other. And then we both walked in together in the gate, so they kind of knew the backyard was a neutral territory. Once they got comfortable, we let them – um, play. The two of them just ran all around our yard and they were sniffing each other, checking each other out. Like wings would run away, Kane would run away, come back. And once they kind of got tired out, we both put them on leash and then just kind of sh- walk through the house together. So then they can kind of feel like, you know, like Kayla is Kane and Kane. Kayla and Kane, sorry, not Kane and Kane, had such a good relationship at that point. And wings, wings and I were, you know, still a new partnership, but still had that trust. And seeing the four of us just kind of go through each room together and everything like that, I really think it showed the dogs that they live live together peacefully. And now you have to remember, we were only home for a little bit because we were both in college, and this was over Christmas break. So they, by the time they got used to each other, we both left to go back to school. And then once we came back for that summer break, they became best friends. They were a little weary of each other, but they both were like, hey, what's up? Like kind of say hi to a coworker walking in the hall. But – they became friends over that summer, for sure. So you guys are at college. So how did it 
feel having a guide dog at college? For the first time, you were using a cane, but now you got a guide dog. Can you tell us about the differences of how you're traveling during the day, going to school? Yeah, so I would say it was overwhelming at first because so Kane was the first, and Blink was too. So Kane was the first guide dog ever on our campus to live on our campus at our college. So it was kind of new for everyone, including myself. Um, but so we had a single dorm. So it was just me and Kane in a room, basically living together. We were we were roommates. Uh, which kind of turned into forever roommates now. So um, <laughs> I think I'll keep them. Um, but it was just kind of overwhelming because you're here on a new campus trying to figure out, okay, where are my classes? What building is this? What building is that? As you're trying to um, train with your partner and get them used to the campus and used to the building. So thankfully, I didn't really realize it until week one. Kane picked up immediately. He's like, mm, it's 9 a.m. We're going to this building. Lady, I don't know where you think you're going, but we're going to this building. And I was like, okay, you know it better than I do, so let's go. And I don't think it would be as easy if I had a white cane just walking around campus. Um, plus, I think it opens another atmosphere for people to be more friendly and more engaging. Like, it's a dog. Everyone loves dogs. Everyone wants to pet the dog, of course. Um, whereas a white cane, people kind of just look at you and you're like, they're like, what is that? They might not even know what it is. Or they kind of just think something's wrong with you because you have one. Whereas they see a dog, they're like, could be for a million reasons, but they're like, that is so cool. There's a dog in my building or there's a dog in my class. So for me, it just kind of built relationships. Our relationship, because I was able to trust him more. And by week two, every semester came new. This is our schedule for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is our schedule for Tuesday, Thursday, and like one-offs he'd get used to, but he just knew immediately and could pick up on, on everything, which made my life so much easier trying to figure out this, this new world and this new life in, at college. Absolutely. And, and Zach, has your experience been similar? Yes, it, it definitely has been similar in the sense of opening up doors because once I realized, I didn't realize, once I realized I had a hard time seeing at night or I had no night vision, I really didn't go places at night and even on campus. Like, you know, I lived on campus. I was even an RA for a few years and everything like that. So uh, it was having wings made me feel comfortable. One, going to events with a larger crowd because I was always so self-conscious and embarrassed when I would bump into people. You know, if you have no personal vision, it's, it's really easy sometimes just to bump people. And I always felt bad. So I would just seclude myself from that. So wings gave me, so much freedom. And I think this is a, a key point, and I don't know if this was the same for Kayla. I, we never really talked about it. Um, I was the second youngest. There was another, you know, in my class when I went out and got partnered with Wings. Out of everybody, people were older, you know, older than me besides one of the other girls. Her name was Maddie was there. And I think it's key for people who are who are listening, you know, to this episode. If you're interested or in you are, I think it's key to go – I don't know. Like, I think it's key to go younger instead of just waiting. Some people I feel like might wait till they're older to go get partnered with a dog. But it gave, I, I get so much more information for wings. And I, and like Kale said, that routine and stuff and everything like that, it, it also helps you become, I think, even more productive because it's like, all right, like I have to stay on routine because not, it's going to mess up wings. And it is very difficult. I think being in college with a dog sometimes because of people wanting to pet them. But if you set like firm ground rules, like probably within two weeks of me bringing wings to campus, because he was the first dog, just like Kane and everything I'm married with that 
people knew, hey, this is Zach. He's visually impaired. Wings is a he's a cool dog, and he helps him. He has a full time job. And and I think it's key too because you can make up those boundaries where I'd be like, okay, there's a big art field. Like I would let people, my friends, people come play and hang out with us because they are dogs too. They don't work 24 seven. And I think being younger now, looking back, it was the right move to go and get partnered with a dog earlier in life instead of waiting. Cause originally that was a conversation I had back and forth with my mom was with Kayla. I was like, you know, I think this is cool, but maybe I'll wait till I'm older and out of college. And I'm so glad I did it. That is awesome to hear. And I love that you mentioned that they're dogs too. So they do play. And I was going to ask that before you even said it, that was on my mind is how do you play on a college campus with, how do you let the dog, you know, enjoy and have fun? But I think that's such a cool way because the dog gets to interact with so many other people when they're, you know, just being a dog and just playing. What was it like, I guess, being in a dorm and like having to take the dog out and that sort of stuff. I'm really interested to hear about that. Yeah. So my experience, I lived in a, a female freshman dorm for two years. And then I lived in an apartment building for a year and a half. And in the freshman dorm, it was just me and him. So like you have a routine, like you knew came to go out at six thirty, eleven, 11, like the time they're trained to go out. So thankfully our campus had like a rock area, kind of similar to the one at their dogs that the dogs typically go go on so I would just take him out and Kane got in the habit that this is the spot we're we're good and then transferring into the apartment building Kane had more room because there was a hallway there was more bedroom and living room space so he got to to play a little bit more than a dorm but still going out there was um like bushes and like stuff stuff like that that they're for dogs maybe they're not specifically like oh here's a dog park or here's like a gated fenced area for a dog but you kind of just have to work with what you have and have that open dialogue with your campus because I sat down with the head of our um residence life and I was like hey like what what works for you guys what will work for us and just kind of having that dialogue of what what they think would be best and what they would be best for the dog you just kind of have to advocate and have the conversation and that kind of worked best for our campus because it is such a small campus. Absolutely. I think that's uh, some good points here. I know Zach was talking about like when to get a dog earlier or later on in life. And those are huge decisions and things to think about. There's lots of pros and cons to a guide dog versus a cane. There's lots of um, things to think about and weigh out uh, because it is it is a big choice. And it's like, I think, Kayla, you mentioned it previously. It's like having a baby. Um, and some people are not ready for a baby freshman year of college. Sometimes they're never going to be ready for a baby. Uh, and that's okay, too. You know, a guide dog certainly isn't for everyone. And you guys are expressing all of the work that goes into it, not just caring for the dog, but thinking about all these big picture things. So where's the dog going to relieve itself on campus? Talking to your disability office or your campus and some capacity on you know, expectations of the guide dog and other people around, you know, advocating for yourself, setting boundaries, like Zach mentioned too. Um, So I think that's incredible. And to our listeners who may be considering getting a guide dog, these are all very, very important things to consider before kind of taking that leap. And just to do a little plug here, uh, there is a wonderful video that kind of talks through all of these different things on our virtual learning resources page, which can be found at leaderdog.org under the resources tab, and it's called Guide Dog Readiness. And I would highly 
suggest anybody check that out who's thinking about a guide dog or exploring that option for a family member. It really does go through all of these things that Kayla and Zach have mentioned um, throughout this episode and all of the work that they've put into this. And just from what I've been able to see on campus and whatnot is that a lot of people like Kayla will come for summer experience camp or get other experiences or just come for orientation and mobility. And while you're there, you can ask those questions or you can maybe try out walking with a dog or seeing if it's right for you because it might not be. So it is really important to come for O&M, which Leslie would love because she is an orientation <laughs> and mobility instructor, white cane um, training for that. Um, so yeah, it is important to, you know, not just jump into a guide dog to kind of look at those options as well. So you both got your guide dogs. What are the biggest challenges you still have with your blindness? I'd say personally, the biggest challenge is my vision fluctuates personally on the day to day, whether it's cloudy out, whether it's sunny out, whether it's pitch black out because something's wrong or it's middle of winter and it gets pitch black out at three o'clock in the afternoon so to me it's just knowing that my dog can adapt to me and know like oh okay not not a good time to sniff this bush as we're we're trying to do something here because in the daytime like we're just standing around Kane would probably smell the ground or smell something just because he's a dog but like if it's nighttime and he knows like oh she cannot see anything he's like focused like let's just get from point A to point B and be done so just knowing that they understand you and can read your emotions um, I think one thing Alyssa said all the time was whatever you're feeling goes right down the leash and the dog feels it too so them just being able to pick up on what you're feeling and what kind of situation you're in has been a lifesaver for me um, and it's kind of have helped me get over some of those challenges that I've had and Zach what about you I think for me, the biggest current like difficulty of being visually impaired is I've come so dependent on wings. There's going to be situations where sometimes it's not appropriate to bring, you know, your guide dog somewhere. Or, you know, uh, for example, I did a service break trip and we were in the middle of like the Goonies, nowhere in Tennessee with this group called Mountaintop, which is, you know, Tennessee outreach program. And it was a great experience and everything like that but every day we were going to these really rural areas using power tools which isn't safe for a dog because we had you know nails going saws hammers and everything like that and I think sometimes going back and trying to it's kind of like in scouts we used to say with not skills use it or lose it and going back to relying on that cane or just my scanning alone I think sometimes when I get in those situations um that's the most difficult is trying to remember like, oh man, what was life like? How did I do this before wings? Um, so I, I'd say that's it for me. Thank you. That is so interesting. And I just, one last question for both of you. I am curious, um, is there anything that you would tell somebody who's younger, who's maybe 14 and just finding out that they have RP, um, any words of wisdom that you would pass on? And, and Kayla, we'll start with you. My biggest thing is don't be a Zach. Don't be so stubborn that you can't um, accept anything. Um, I'm going to call you out, Zach. But um, really just accept or like start, even though you might not be as comfortable, start researching what's out there. Start looking into what's out there and what possibilities there might be because you never know. I would have never known about guide dogs or leader dogs for that matter if I didn't start researching and looking at things and 
if you know college is the way you want to go and you're not sure about a guide dog, talk to the DDMIs, talk, talk to the OMs. Like, I think I talked with Maggie and Leslie for weeks before I even put in my application for a guide dog, um, just making sure that it's the right decision. So even though you might be unsure of what's going to come or if it is the right decision, there's many resources, whether it's at Leader Dog or personally, to to figure out what might be best for you. So don't be afraid to look for those better opportunities or new opportunities, even though they might be absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. And Zach? So I'll echo Kayla. Don't be a Zach. <laughs> even, you know, like, um, try to be open-minded. And that's easier said than done. Like, here I am sitting. And maybe that's what I'm getting at. Like, don't be a Zach, but also take your time too with this process. Like it's how you come to terms with it, how you, you know, how you come to grips with it. It's up to you and it's okay. It's not like you can be quick like Caitlin jump full in, or you could be skeptical like me. Just take with time and don't shut down completely. Don't let, you know, you just find out you have RP or anything. Like I still go on 10 mile hikes with wings and I do all these things. Like just because you're visually impaired, people are always going to tell you, nah, you can't do that. Or like, Oh, are you sure you can do this? And if you want to, you can like, and I think that would be my advice for anybody coming in be persistent and you're going to have to stand up for yourself because other people in the world are going to tell you, you can't do this. And it just, I just want to throw a little plug in there. Cause like I'm a big uh, advocate for this. So if you're starting the leader dog process, I say go open-minded as much as possible. You can be as specific as you want when, applying to be a dog and I think one of the coolest things about Kayla and I and I forgot to bring this up earlier is Wings is a prison puppy he was raised in a prison and you know that deters people I knew there was lots of people that were just nervous about having a dog that was raised in prison and Wings is the friendliest dog and so that's just my little plug for prison pups like don't I, I know some people when they're applying they're like no I'm uncomfortable with having a dog that was raised in prison and don't be because it's a great program and take a look at it I'm sure there's stuff on the website about it too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I think that was perfect, Zach, too. Both of you made great points, but everybody comes to Leader Dog and goes through their blindness journey. It's a very unique experience. And you guys are a perfect example of being in the same household, kind of going through the same things, but yet taking different paths and coming to Leader Dog at different times and kind of accepting your blindness. And we know that it's a journey and this is still the beginning phase of it. You know, vision, like Kayla mentioned, it fluctuates, it's tricky, it changes day by day, and every day is a new. Uh, a new adventure. So thank you so much to both of you for joining us. And thank you uh, to the listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cunio and Christina Hapner. We really hope you enjoyed learning about these two amazing individuals, Zach and Kayla. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream. And we now have an email address. So if you have any questions or ideas, you can send them to takingthelead at leaderdog.org.